What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the host of the Entrepreneurism Podcast. I'm here with Nick Oliveri. He is the co-founder at Impact Snacks, the world's most sustainable snack. Nick, what's going on, man? What's happening, Brady? It's, uh, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, just really excited to get going and discuss. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you coming on. Before we dive into your entrepreneurial journey, what Impact Snacks is, how the nature of it is today, I always ask this first question, what's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? <laughs> uh, that is a loaded question. Um, so <laughs> first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a surfer. Um, I don't know if you know that. Uh, very passionate. I learned uh, with uh, one of my friends from California taught me. I learned in Santa Cruz at Jack's Beach. So perfect place to learn over there. Uh, although I'm based out of the East Coast now. But, uh, you know, when you buy equipment for surfing, especially when you're doing a lot of cold water stuff, uh, mm-hmm. like, like I do in the Boston North Shore area, um, it's always good to just be protected. You know, we're talking about your body here and, and the thermal energy. It's like it's important to conserve. So right. worst thing I've ever spent money on was very, very cheap surf booties. Um, and, and yeah, they're, they're these $15 things that, uh, you know, I thought since I had them, they'd work, uh, super thin, not reliable. And when you're going out in like March and April, they do not serve their purpose. And it's basically just a waste of, uh, however much I spent on them. So <laughs> don't skimp on surf booties guys. Don't skimp. That's crazy, man. Do you, so when you go surfing, did you see sharks at all or anything like that? Good question. So actually the first few times I went, um, I saw a bunch of seals. And so that's generally a bad sign because, mm-hmm. you know, sharks are afoot. That's what that means. But, uh, you know, I, I was in a reef, so it was actually protected uh, for the most part gotcha. from sharks. Other than that, very, very seldom uh, do I see anything else. It's mainly just seals. <laughs> yeah. You scared, the reason I asked, I saw a video today, I think it was on Sports Center of all places, but it talked about how there was a shark and it was, it was a pretty big shark about less than a mile out from the shore, just swimming in the shallow water. So it's kind of scary to think about. And I know with surfing, you're obviously getting deeper waters. So I'd imagine there's things out there, but you just don't see them all the time. So they really are. They, they, <laughs> they definitely are. Yeah. And yeah, one, uh, one of the beaches we like to go to out West anyway, is called Manresa and just a few months after I was over there on a trip and just, just hanging out and surfing with friends, um, there were like, uh, there was a shark attack, um, mm-hmm. tragic stuff, scary stuff, but like, yeah, right. it, they're around, man. They're around. Yeah. So yeah. Scary stuff, man. But less about that, more about impact snacks. So impact snacks is the world's most sustainable snack. And we were talking about this before we started recording, but you've had a few pivots over the past few years, And of course, now more than ever, to be completely honest with you, man, health conscious people are very much alive nowadays. Everyone is health conscious. Everyone is trying to get rid of processed food, preservatives and stuff like that. So how are you able to call yourself the world's most sustainable snack? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question. And so we arrived at all the sustainability initiatives we do. Um, I'll touch upon all of them real quick. We have a home compostable wrapper. I don't know if you've seen us on TikTok or Instagram, uh, but you can literally eat the wrapper. It's made out of soy. Even the vegetables are made out of inks. So this thing is straight up home compostable, uh, decomposes in less than a month in organic matter. Um, our packaging peanuts, they're made, out of, they're made out of wheat and potato starch. You can eat those things too. Go down the drain. Doesn't pollute groundwater resources. And, uh, in, in, you know, 
All of our other packaging is either made out of recycled materials or post-consumer waste. We take that very seriously. And then um, actually on the ingredient side, and basically from farm to doorstep, our whole supply chain has been tracked by LCA compliant carbon accountants. And <laughs> that, that's a term and in a profession I haven't heard until, uh, until now, until I've, we've been doing this for a while. Um, but yeah, carbon accountants actually track our full supply chain and we reclaim that carbon by 250% of what we emit by actually um, investing in uh, green renewable energy projects as well as reforestation. So, yeah, it's, so uh, for, it, yeah. for the person like me, right? The consumer perspective, you can say a lot of those things and then you go right over my head, right? right? A lot of those things sound good. You hear the word green, you hear the word carbon, you hear the word sustainable, how do you market to the everyday consumer in a way that they understand? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I think, I think the, main, the main thing in, in, in the primary aspect of doing that is it has to do with, okay, what can we find common ground on? Mm-hmm. What can we relate to? right? Because right. you're totally right. There's so much out there. And part of the reason why we're doing all this, and like, I can go into the specs and, and talk about all these, all these finite details, right? Right. Um, which, which some people absolutely want to hear. But part of the reason why we can do that and why, and why we feel compelled to do that is because we're basically the anti-greenwashing company. I don't know, Brady, if you're familiar with the term greenwashing, but mm, I'm not. Yeah. It, so it has to do with, and, and it mainly originated from very large corporations that don't really care about the planet. They don't really care about uh, green energy, compostable materials, anything like that. They just care about profits and uh, returning to their shareholders, which itself isn't a bad concept. And But um, really what they do is they say a lot of fluff. They say a lot of things like they're going to try and they're making a pledge and they're, you know, it, it, and you see it uh, across all the world's largest corporations. Right. Greenwashing is empty promises. That's that's what it is. It's it's empty promises and it's just superfluous words to try to get the consumer to think, oh hey, they're doing something good, so I can stay with them. I can continue right. to consume, right? Um, and that's uh, so. First of all, I think that's a very it, it, it's a harmful thing that pervades nearly everything today that that we that we watch, that we consume, that that he, that we engage with. Um, and two, yeah, it's uh, it's very sneaky. So uh, let me give you an example. Um, I, I don't know how familiar you are with TikTok and the platform yeah. of TikTok, but um, we've had a we've had a lot of videos going up that we don't get into the specs. We just say what the material is made out of, and then we literally eat the wrapper. We literally eat the wrapper, and yeah. and it's something that kind of, it it got a lot more attention than even we thought, just because it's kind of shocking, and it's kind of like, well, wait a second, like. I'm not sure if company X, Y, and Z can do that. Why not? You know? And yeah. Right. And so, yeah, it's funny. It's shocking. It's got, it's got a little bit of everything, but for the most part, it actually begs a question. And that's all we try to do is we try to get consumers to ask the questions. Right. right? Hopefully that makes sense. So within the actual snack itself, right. We can talk about the packaging. That's really cool. You can actually eat it. It makes me remember about, uh, I think it's Orbit gum. They used to always say you mm. could chew the wrapper and mm. I used to always try and it would, it would just taste like a wrapper. So, <laughs> so I don't know, you know, anything about that, but about the actual snack itself, you know, like I was saying before me, my wife is very health conscious. I'm pretty health conscious now because of that. 
We shop it in the organic section at our local Kroger. I don't know if you have a Kroger, but just a grocery store. And there's all these just bars, right? So that's yep. what I think of as like a healthy snack is like a protein bar or like a, like a fig bar or something like that. And the ones that catch our eyes are always the ones that have like four to five ingredients. And that's mm. it. Cause a lot of other bars just fill them with sugar and preservatives and stuff like that. So as far as the actual snack itself, are you filling it with any preservatives or is it just very, very simple of its four to five ingredients? Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, and I definitely know some of the brands you're referring to lots, lots of nuts and twig companies out there that are, that are doing that. And you know what? I think it's a fantastic marketing angle for, for their own sake. But, um, you know, so our chief product officer, uh, he's a neurosurgeon, Dr. Matthew Phillips. And so he, alongside, uh, alongside the food scientists that, that we had help uh, create this bar and this formula, um, us and him and, and kind of the, the, the research and development team, we, we took a look at that. We, we see the importance of clean label and, and very, very short ingredient lists. But at the end of the day, we think that short like ingredient list of three to four to five ingredients while it's still healthy. And yes, we're all whole foods. We're all, we're all natural, um, all natural ingredients through and through. And we take that very seriously. We also think and uh, no pun intended, but we think consumers need the most impact out of what they actually eat. You know, I have trail mix sitting beside me and I, I'm nuts and twigs guy myself, but, um, you know, you can't discount uh, the idea of putting also prebiotic fiber and superfoods like monk fruit and stevia as a sweetener in there. That's not only a zero calorie, but it's actually sweeter than sugar. And it has these benefits that I never would have known about that Dr. Matt, uh, Matthew Phillips would say, look, it actually stimulates the hippocampus in the short term. It's really good for brain function and, uh, and right. memory, things like that. Um, yeah. And so what we did out of that is we created this snack that's good for your mind, body, and your gut. Um, so, you know, prebiotic fiber for your gut and things like that. And, uh, you know, we have stevia and monk fruit for, uh, certain regions of the brain that I'm, I'm, uh, obviously an amateur in, uh, but Dr. Matt could help you out there. And, um, yeah. And so we basically just tried to load it with the best. We tried to spare nothing in being reductive, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when I think about those bars, I was leading to this question that have, you know, four to five ingredients, they always don't taste the best, you know, sometimes really dry or the flavor, they say it's blueberry. And I'm like, I don't taste, I taste dirt. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what it tastes like. So, so from my perspective, right, like my wife is way more health conscious than me, but I'm, I still want to be healthy, but I also want to enjoy what I'm eating. So did y'all put thought into that of saying, Hey, let's build something that's actually healthy and, you know, green and stuff like that, but also something people crave, you know, I think people mix it up where they try to be so organic and so healthy and or they're vegan or vegetarian or whatever, but they're miserable every single time they eat. And unfortunately eating is something we have to do as people, as humans. So right. did y'all take that into account of just the flavor itself? Flavor was, among many other things, it was paramount to actually us putting this on the market. It was absolutely everything. We understand people need to like what they eat. Just, it's a matter of fact, people need to like what they eat. And exactly. let me actually, uh, let me actually show you the consistency real quick. Didn't, uh, I didn't expect to do this, but since we're really going to dive in, so <laughs> right here, we have the ice caramel latte, you know, yeah. uh, it's, you know, it's 
packaging here. Um, and so take a look inside. It's all about delight for us. If people don't like what they eat, there's no point. And so not only is that for the taste and for the ingredients, but you know, we, and, and of course the taste is going to speak for itself and you can talk to people that have already tried it and things, but um, right. what we kind of like to do is uh, we, we, we like to have people try it. And then we ask them, we say, Hey, do you taste the lion's mane mushrooms in them? Do you taste the kale? Do you taste the maca root? And you know, do, you, do, you, do you taste the prebiotic fiber? Right. So uh, that's, and, uh, and it's, the answers are always no. And they're, and they're shocked at what's in it. Right. But uh, yeah, no, taste is paramount. See that. And it looks not looks nearly good. as good as it tastes. It um, looks good. You know, and I think it looks outside, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looks good. And, and, yeah, you know, and yeah. from a purely business perspective, right. This podcast is about entrepreneurship and regardless of what field you're in, I think everyone is an entrepreneur in their own way, but you have to think about, okay, how do we get repeat customers? And if we create a bar that's super health conscious, but we just make it taste super health conscious, you know, not very good. We're probably not going to have repeat customers, right? Why are people going to buy right. something that doesn't taste good? So from y'all's perspective saying, Hey, flavor is paramount to the success of impact snacks, because if it doesn't taste good, we're probably not going to have as many repeat customers, regardless of how good it is for you and your body. Would that be pretty accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the core of what we do. It's about taste. It's about delight. Um, and so even beyond these snacks though, and, or, or just the bars that we have now, we have ice caramel latte and dark chocolate brownie, uh, available on the site right now. Um, and that's shortly after we closed our, uh, Kickstarter campaign, but, um, it's at the core of everything we do and everything we think about. So for every new flavor and then for every new snack and then for every new service, and there's a lot going on in the back end that uh, I do not have the time to, to, to touch right. on, but really the core of our philosophy is sustainability in everyday purchases should not be difficult. And it also shouldn't be difficult for other businesses to implement those. And, uh, and we can do that. So right. that's kind of everything we believe in um, because the more difficult is the less people are actually going to gravitate to it and it's just going to continue this vicious cycle right absolutely absolutely so along this journey right you, you mentioned you just released the two separate bars after your kickstarter campaign which if you don't mind me asking how successful was that kickstarter campaign um so we were insanely you know humbled uh, our community really showed up let's just say that you know so our goal was twenty thousand uh, dollars from from the kickstarter campaign and then we can uh we could not only get off the ground but we could produce we could run um and you know we raised a seed round and closed it this uh february of this year for uh three hundred ten thousand dollars wow. that carried us and, and uh, enabled us to build what we have today this kickstarter launched late august Goal is $20,000. We hit that goal in less than 13 hours. Wow. And we were, we were floored. It was, it was pandemonium. It was, it was crazy. And uh, the, so, you know, we, we were humbled by the community that really showed up at, for us. Uh, and then we ended up closing it 30 days later at 40,000 or above $40,000. So wow. huge success. Uh, and it just kind of goes to show you because, and, you know, we're, we're doing plenty of things beyond snacks. We have got a lot in the pipeline. Um, including services to actually enable other businesses to do very similar things to us. But ultimately, you know, it came down to 
people and especially uh, past entrepreneurs that have done successful Kickstarters before, they're like, look, guys, you're in food and beverage, right? It's not that easy. People aren't going to be able to taste it before they actually go and pledge. It's not easy. Expect a fraction of what you're asking for. And, um, you know, I say the community really showed up because it was the people who genuinely believed in our mission that were able to propel us forward, which was a beautiful thing for me. So with people people that did invest, did they get any sort of sample or anything from you guys? They got snacks. They they got snacks. Impact snacks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Impact snacks. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah, the Kickstarter basically uh, we give out or, or we, uh, set an array of rewards that, that you can pledge money towards because it's crowdfunding um, and it, it's non it's not equity. You pledge for the rewards and mo- most of our rewards consisted of uh, varying amounts of snacks. So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. So with these Kickstarter campaigns, you now have the funds to move forward and dive into deeper areas of the business. Beyond these bars, you mentioned you have stuff in the pipeline and I imagine some stuff you probably can't mention yet, but what is going to be beyond these bars as far as the snacks are concerned? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, got plenty of, plenty of flavors in the pipeline. We, we made sure to collect a lot of uh, consumer feedback and, and feedback on the Kickstarter surveys, things like that. So we got a bunch of flavors we're working on right now. And then beyond that, we're exploring a lot of things with can't promise anything. I, I, I can't go too deep into it, but it's going to be a lot more than just these bars and these bars are going to get revamps and they're going to get new flavors and, uh, and everything else of the like, it's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. And, you know, um, we're just trying to enable as many people as possible right. to be as sustainable as possible in their purchases. Um, businesses, the thing. So, so with these bars, right. I think that's the, that's the main topic and the main product you guys offer, which is great because the great thing about bars is they're easy to eat. You can eat them pretty quickly. And if they taste good, it's that much better. Let's say someone is very workout conscious, you know, they're, they're tracking their macros, maybe even going as far as tracking their micros. You mentioned that before we started recording, what do the macros look like in these bars, right? Cause a lot of protein bars, one in particular that I really enjoy is the power crunch bar. I don't know if you ever had a power crunch bar, but it's just essentially just a wafer and it's got protein in it, but it also has a lot of fat in it. So if I'm workout conscious and tracking my macros, I don't want to eat a lot of those bars because I'm quickly going to reach my fat intake for the day. So how does that compare to y'all's bars in regards to the whole workout situation? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. Um, Just like anything else we do, anything else we release, we focused on balance. So, you know, along with our micronutrients, our macros are highly, highly balanced. So we're looking at 10 grams of fat. uh, It's four grams saturated. We're looking at 210 calories um, in a serving, which is the bar. <laughs> right. And then uh, we got 12 grams of protein um, it, as well as 22 grams of carbs. But what we most focused on, um, you know, tried to just balance as best as possible with, with, with the taste and everything else is actually our fiber content, which uh, we're really happy. We got it. Uh, we got our fiber up to six grams. And so, yeah, it's a dietary fiber that just in order to really, uh, you, you know, your body to su- successfully intake a lot of those micros and everything else. Uh, the fiber was an important aspect for us. So six grams of that. And, uh, and yeah, definitely balanced. With, with fiber. I know that's super important, but I think people treat it as a, and, and 
it's probably a micronutrient. I don't know too much about the whole diet and the specifics and whatnot, but I was watching a video and he talks about how people underestimate the power of fiber in your diet. People only track their carbs, protein, or fat. They don't track their fiber because they don't care, right? And finding foods that taste good, but are good at high in fiber can sometimes be tough to be completely honest with you. So that six grams of fiber help me and my audience understand the power of fiber and why six grams of fiber, like you just talked about, is actually a good thing. In a lot of ways, fiber should be the staple of any diet. So if you're, if you're not getting any fiber, uh, you know, your, your, your body's going to be in real trouble real quick. Um, and so a lot of people, they'll have these, and, and you're, you're totally right, low fiber diets across the board, they're super common because it's, you know, in, in a lot of refined products and in processed foods, fibers, oftentimes, it's just an afterthought or, or it's not even not even included. Right. Um, and so dietary fiber is an extremely important staple for mainly for the digestion, um, among many, many other things of micronutrients, you know, and it, it's huge for, uh, for, for your body's stability and strength as well. It's, it's immensely important. Absolutely. Yeah. The reason I'm asking back when I was in middle school, I didn't know anything about fiber, but my, my mom before soccer game, she gave me a fiber one bar which at the time was just like, it seemed like the only way to actually get fiber was just a fiber one bar. I ate three of them before a game and I did not feel good <laughs> about halfway through the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And it, uh, it, and it makes you poop too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it did not yeah. feel good. Yeah. It's, but yeah. It, it was a learning experience. So Nick, about this journey, right? As I was saying before, everyone is an entrepreneur in their own right, regardless of whatever field you're in. Also along this journey, like we've talked about a lot of cool things, the products, the initiatives behind your products and stuff like that. But I also know there's stuff that sucks in business. There's roadblocks you hit. There could be legal issues, whatever. So when was a point where impact snacks hit one of those roadblocks and how did you guys get around it? Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a great question. So I, it, it does, I'll quickly go back uh, and digress. So Corey and I, Corey Nobly, who's the other founder and my, my business partner and I, um, we met in sixth grade uh, in our hometown of North Andover, Mass. And so, uh, you know, we met in band class. Neither of us really liked the trumpet very much kind of a dirty instrument, just my opinion. Right. Um, and so, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so Corey and I, we were doing like ventures and endeavors, you know, up through middle school, high school, global digital marketplaces, clothing lines, whatever else have you. Right. Uh, and we, we've always kind of had that entrepreneurial bug. Um, fast forward, we were college roommates and that was when impact snacks, um, what was formerly known as geoprotein, but, uh, we, it did actually begin to pick up a little bit of steam. Um, we had this first order of, uh, of, of bars, these clean label bars and like beginning to pick up some traction and sales. And, and we were learning a, so much in, in D2C and, in, in online and marketing and everything else. And so one of our biggest roadblocks, and it was a very long one, a drawn out roadblock, but uh, was uh, fundraising. Mm. It, it, our initial process for fundraising, it's just, if you talk to any entrepreneur, whether they've, they've done it or have not done it, it's done it successfully anyway uh it really is a drag um and so 
one of the biggest roadblocks for us was just being able to find the right investment partners um, in order to really work alongside and actually enable us to come to fruition, right? So, uh, you know, I'd say to, you know, any entrepreneur who has an idea or has been working on something for a while, and it's just, you just, one, you'll know when it's time to fundraise, mm-hmm. um, you'll just, and it's not for everyone, and it's not for every business, a lot of bootstrapping can go on, but we knew when it was time. And so I'd say a, a big roadblock was advice was so cheap, you know, anyone can give advice, right? But I think the most important thing is to just listen to yourself and continue to move on because you will make it, you will make it happen if you want it bad enough. It's just about, okay, what's the right route? You won't always know who's the right person to talk to. You won't always know. Um, we're so fortunate to now have the absolute best advisors, mentors, and investors. Uh, so lucky to have them. But um there's a lot of people <laughs> that, that want to, you to, to, to listen to them and, and so many conflicting opinions from, right. from many successful people too. All these people are in, insanely successful in their own right. But at the end of the day, I think you just need to listen to yourself, um, whether you're fundraising or not. Yeah, you know, I agree with that, man. I think there's a lot of, uh, we'll just call them business coaches out there, advisors, whatever, pretty much all the same thing. But you're right, you know, ne- the best business coach might not necessarily be the best for your business, right? I think everyone has a different level of expertise and it's really up to you. Like you said, to listen to yourself, what do we need? What does a business coach need to bring to the table that we can't? And I think people underestimate the power of listening to themselves, right? Cause we're in this world that especially now, if you want to scale a business, you have to have a coach or an advisor or a mentor or something like that. And yes, that is very, very true. But I think people need to trust themselves first because oftentimes you have the answers to what you're asking the question to. But if you don't have the answers to a specific question, okay, what coach can fulfill those answers, right? So I think it's very important for people, just like you said, just listen to yourself. So along this, right, you you mentioned how fundraising was very, very difficult. Obviously, you guys have gotten over that. And it's been successful. What roadblocks do you foresee in the future that could potentially pose a problem? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, right now, this team uh, that we're that we're cultivating here is utterly fantastic. I I quite literally could not have dreamt up a better team that's 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 forming around us and just rallying around this core mission, which is fantastic. Um, and I guess in that, you know. Uh, I think, you know, the common growing pains of any organization that is just, uh, you know, trying to reach product market fit, right? Trying to grow, trying to really hit scale and, uh, and everything else. It's, it's not going to be, you know, we're going to have to have a lot of tweaks, a lot of different like system tweaks and, and constantly iterating on, okay, you know, goal setting, are we hitting them, iterating upon like team management, things like that. I think the normal growing pains of a startup is what we're going to be encountering. And yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, I I like that answer. And I think uh, to go further, I don't think any business ever gets rid of problems. (laughs) uh, You're always going to overcome one problem and there's going to be another problem right there. 
There sure right. is. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's understanding that and knowing that regardless of whatever stage you're in, there's always going to be growing pains. You know, once you're out of the startup phase, it's going to be like, okay, how do we scale to a huge company? Right. right. Once you're a huge company, how do we stay a huge company? You know? Right. So I think it's very, very important as entrepreneurs, business owners, whatever, to just be self-aware that you're never going to be done with issues. <laughs> it's just going to keep happening. <laughs> never. Yeah. <laughs> Got to keep climbing. Right. Yeah. So, absolutely. absolutely. but uh, you know, I know whatever comes our way, I think we have so many skillful people, so many passionate people to just mm-hmm. make it happen and, and weather the storm. We'll, we'll, we'll be a okay. And uh, I'm looking forward to those problems. <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, Nick, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping up. The final question I always ask uh, you know, in, in a lot of podcast interviews, it's always, you know, what's a piece of advice, but I think advice is uh, kind of oversaturated. There's advice everywhere nowadays, but I think it's getting deeper than that. So Nick, why do you love what you do and why is it important for entrepreneurs or business owners to also love what they do? Very good question. You know, I think it's a, it's a good question. It's a pretty complex question. I think it has a simple answer though. And that's ultimately, if you don't love what you do, you're not going to be the best you can be at it. Just plain and simple. You, you won't. And so that comes with passion. Um, I think, I think it comes with over a long period of time over years, like cultivating an understanding, but yeah, I think that's what it's all about is uh, you really, if you don't have the passion, if you don't love what you do, you won't be great at it. And so I think that's, especially now more than ever, you know, in the, in the modern day, you so many opportunities to do so many things, just take the leap, you know, just, mm-hmm. just seriously take the leap. Uh, Cause that's always the right path. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that, Nick, but we're going to wrap up completely. Where can my audience find you and impact snacks online? Yeah. So, uh, so TikTok, we're impact.snacks on, uh, on Instagram. Just look up impact snacks. We're there. Uh, you can find us. Uh, you can find myself. I'm just Nick Oliveri, O-L-I-V-E-R-I. You know, that's Instagram, LinkedIn. Same with, uh, same with Corey, Corey Nobly, N-O-B-I-L-E. You can find us. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're out there. Uh, and yeah, I'd, I'd encourage, I'd encourage any of the viewers to look, go take a look at our TikTok and, uh, and let us know what you think about the content. I'd be very curious. Absolutely. Yeah, guys, I will link Nick and Corey's and Impact Snacks uh, links in the description. So reach out to them, go to their TikTok, let them know what you thought about their content in this episode. And Nick, I appreciate your time, man. It's been awesome. Thanks so much, Brady. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneurism Podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 a.m. Central Time. We would greatly appreciate if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. I'm Brady Morgan, your host. We'll see you next time.